Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth interactive study of the Word of God. We're in the middle of a series, Managing for the Master Until He Comes. It's a very practical series, and today's topic is particularly helpful, planning for success. Not just success for this world, but for eternity. So we're glad you joined us for Hope Sabbath School today. Welcome to the team. Good to see you again. And, and I'm excited, Jason, because you're teaching today a great topic, planning for success. We're also happy to have some of our remote team members with us. We have uh, Marianella joining us. Good to see you, Marianella. Mm -hmm. We also have Rodney joining us again. Good to see you, Rodney. And Sabina, good to see you again. Always great to have you on the team. And we're glad that you're here, too because you're an important part of our Hope Sabbath School family. In fact, we'd love to hear from you. Write to us at sshope at hopetv.org. Here are just a few emails that we've received recently. Ogbona writes from Nigeria mm -hmm. and says, I am Deacon Ogbona <laughs> from the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Nigeria. I want to thank the Hope Sabbath School crew. Well, let's give Ogbona a wave, shall we? We're glad you're part of our Hope Sabbath School team, too. Your Hope Bible studies have been very helpful to me. Through your studies, I've been able to teach my class at church. Amen. Amen. Well, that's one of the things we love to do is to multiply the impact by encouraging you. You can download our outline from the website, hopetv.org slash hopess, and you can share it with all of your class members. He continues, may the Lord Bless Hope Sabbath School. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And we say amen, too. Thanks for writing to us, Ogbona from Nigeria. Here is a note uh, from a sister, Helen, in Thailand. I was going to say from a refugee camp, but the school that she leads is in a refugee camp. She lives uh, close to the refugee camp. And she writes and says, by the way, just could you give Helen and the team a wave? They watch Hope Sabbath School every week. We're enjoying Hope Sabbath School every week. We have 920 oh. students wow. in our school in the refugee camp, Eden Valley Academy. Although we can go into the camp each day for school, things are very difficult for the students. The border with Myanmar is very dangerous bombing daily so our graduates cannot get Burmese passports and go to study and in Thailand they have no citizenship so they can't go out of the camp so this is literally in a no man's land between Myanmar and Thailand Eden Valley Academy and they're watching Hope Sabbath School Amen. isn't that awesome mm -hmm. we pray the situation will improve but we can all see that the coming of the Lord is near Mm -hmm. Well, Helen and team, thank you for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. We're glad that you're part of our family. And please give our greetings to all of the students there at Eden Valley Academy. Here's a handwritten note from a donor in North Carolina, here in the United States. It's been about three months that I've been watching Hope Sabbath School, and I enjoy it very much. You know, we get new people yeah. joining all the time. You make the Bible so easy to understand what God is telling us and the world and that He's coming soon. Wake up and get ready. <laughs> I've been a Seventh-day Adventist Christian since 1990. I always wanted to know the truth, and I believe that this is God's church because it's teaching the Bible. Uh -huh. 
I thank the Lord and the Holy Spirit for leading me. Amen. Amen. And here's a donation of $100 to bless the ministry of Hope Sabbath School. Thank you so much. You know who you are because I just read your note. But thank you to each donor. We are a donor-supported ministry, and you can be part of the great miracle of sharing this good news about Jesus with the world. Thank you. You can just go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess, click on the donate button, and I use my favorite Hebrew word, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you so much. One last note from Kent here in the United States of America, and Kent says, I watch Hope Sabbath School with my 81-year-old mother mm. almost every Friday evening during supper. We enjoy Hope Sabbath School a great deal. Well, that's a good son to, to watch the, a Bible study with mother, right? We have seen team members come and go, and all the changes time and life have made. Thank you for the great ministry that God does through Hope Sabbath School. Amen. Amen. Well, Ken, thanks for writing to us uh, from here in the United States. Greetings to your mother, and we're preparing for the soon coming of Jesus. Before we sing our theme song, though, I want to tell you about a special resource. And Jason, you helped develop this resource, and he's going to be teaching for us today. It's called Steps Toward Faithful Stewardship. It's a free course we're offering on our website. You can just go to hopetv.org slash hopess. I'm sure you've done it before for the free gift. Click on that free gift tab in the middle of the screen, and you can access an amazing course. It is so helpful. And I've told Jason there are some parts that I especially like, but you may find some things that really are life-changing for you managing for the master. So it's called Steps Towards Faithful Stewardship. It's on our platform. Just go to our website, click on the free gift button. But right now, we need you to sing our theme song with us. It's a 3,000-year-old scripture song, Psalm 96. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Let's sing it together.
You know, I was thinking as we were singing our theme song that followers of God have sung that song for 3,000 years. Mm -hmm. We may have asked my wife to put a new tune to this song because we didn't know the original. But, but that message is so powerful, isn't it? Yes, and today, Jason, as you lead us, I'm praying the, that the Lord would be honored uh, as we study together. Amen. Thank you. And let us bow our heads as I pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, as we open your word today, Lord, help us to understand practical steps of how to be successful for your glory and your kingdom. Guide our hearts, guide our minds. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the only true success we can have. Amen. 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 We've been looking through this lesson at managing for the master, and today we're talking about how do we plan for success? How do we plan how to be successful managers? And so I want to ask, before we get into the lesson, when you think of the characteristics of someone who is a successful manager, what comes to mind? What attributes, what descriptions, what ideas do you think of when you think of someone who is a successful manager? Harold, what comes to your mind? Oh, it's a good planner. A good planner. Okay. Charity? Someone who is honest and has integrity. Honest and integrity. We'll get to that in this lesson. Yes, Jason? Someone who's patient. Someone who's patient. All right. And Sabina, I see you have a thought here, one of our remote participants. Uh, it's someone that can prioritize. Prioritize. First, first, and last, last. All right. Yes. Derek. You know, I thought of the words of Jesus where he says, What is it profit a great planner if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, planning for success as a Christian would be that I'm planning for eternity mm -hmm. more than anything else. Right. Amen. Travis, and then we're going to get into the lesson here. So as a business person, I know that surrounding yourself with good people mm. is a great part of being successful. So I would say the people a person surrounds themselves with will either drag them down or make them successful. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Travis. And as a business person, we may come to you today and may, <laughs> may want to hear some stories of your own experiences, good or bad, that could be helpful for us and how to be successful planners. Amen. Well, we need to get into the lesson. And so I'm going to ask John if you could start us here because we can have all the best plans we can put everything in place but if we don't get step one right it <laughs> is worth as uh derek shared here it's worth nothing and so let's see here what is the wisest man who ever lived what does he say is step one about planning for success i'm reading from ecclesiastes uh chapter 12 and verse 1 from the new american standard bible it reads, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. All right, so what do we see here? What is step one? What is the most important thing? Harold, what's the most important thing? Well, have God first. That's the priority part. Have God first. Yes. I also want to add, because this verse is tied to verses 9 and, and 10 of chapter 11, where it says, if you allow your impulses to dictate your life, as in your youth, 
it, you might even end up, God, I, I said God will actually judge you for those things because you might not be successful in terms of your salvation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's important not to just wait till you're older. It's uh, a lot of us here on the team, we're young adults, we're at a, an earlier part of our career of moving out, so it's important to make those decisions right now. Yes, Brittany? My version says, remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. So it doesn't matter what age you are, God wants you to remember Him now and put Him first now in your life. So even if you maybe have struggled, maybe if you haven't done it before, now, today is the day. Yes, John? You know, these are the words of King Solomon who's seen success. He's got wealth, he's got lots of land, but towards the end of his life he's writing that the first thing that you need to prioritize in your life is to remember your Creator mm -hmm. and not material goods like he has done in his life. Mm -hmm. Travis, and then we got to go to another scripture. I think it's important, uh, especially when as in the context of this verse, is that being a young person planning for success really the first 80 or 70 or 80 or 100 years is just a small part. We need to be planning for eternity <laughs> mm -hmm. because that is Amen. such a small time and space for the person who's going to live forever. Mm -hmm. That's right. Amen. So when we look at our time, it's not just this earth. Mm -hmm. We're looking for the world to come. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see. What does Solomon's father have to say? I'm going to ask Sabina, one of our uh, remote participants, if you could take us to the words of Solomon's father, which we know he's written under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to Psalm chapter 16, verse 8, because Solomon's father, he had his own uh, version of this, of planning for success. And so let's see, what did he say was most important for him in planning for success? Okay, I'll be reading from New King James Version. Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. All right, so what does this mean? What does this look like? We have the words that David wrote here, setting the Lord before me. What does this look like, John? How, how does this look practically? Mm -hmm. now, from a very young age, David saw or prioritized God first. And so from a very young age, he won a lot of battles in his life mm. because he always set the Lord continually before his life. Mm. And I, I think it's really important. Sometimes we think, I'll put God first and then I'll do my day. No, he says, I will set the Lord always, always. before me. Mm -hmm. So I put him first, mm. but then he's always with me mm -hmm. and then I won't be moved. That's so I right. think that's a really important point. It's not like a little religious time with God putting him first in the day and then forget him. Put him first and keep him by your side the whole time. So prioritizing is not just a one step, one part in the day, it's a continual process. Mm -hmm. Yes, Nisha. Um, I think also the other thing David understands is that he will be moved, that there are things that are going to happen in life that have the possibility of shifting you off your course. Yeah. And so he's telling you, um, because I understand this, I'm telling you, if you keep God um, uh, ahead of you, that when those things come, you will not be moved. Mm -hmm. Amen. Charity, and then we're going to look at another scripture. I see here that when he's referring to putting God first, it's that relationship with God. Mm -hmm. I'll put that relationship with him first. I'll spend time with him in the morning first. I will set him before me in everything that I do first. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, Jesus reinforces this teaching, and I'm going to ask Jason if he can take us to the words of Christ himself in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, because we're talking about who do we prioritize, why do we prioritize, 
how does that, how and what does that look like? So yes, Jason, take us there to the words of Jesus. All right, thank you. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All right, so how do the words of Jesus, how do they build off what we've been talking about here, Brittany? Well, I just see that we need that continual relationship. Jesus was always spending time in prayer, but not just once. He, throughout the day, he was constantly connecting with his Father. So he gave us that example while he was here that we need to be in constant connection, communication with our Father in heaven. Jason. Yeah, so we see that this scripture is in context of needing things, you know, and that God knows what we need, but putting God first because he sees all things and he will supply for us. And then after we put the kingdom of God first, all these things will be added to us. Sabina, I see you have a thought you want to share with us about this idea of putting God first and what that looks like from the words of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I also think that from the words of Jesus, we can affirm that our concerns is not only about the prayer time and about the Bible reading time, but it's about the things that you do during your day. And it's about building the kingdom of God in practical ways and meeting the needs of your church community, of those around you. So this is also part of building and seeking God first. Amen. Amen. And Sabina, you do that yourself. You're very involved in that. Lalika. I think that uh, prioritizing God or putting God first means whenever I'm going to take a decision or do an action, uh, am I going to consider what God or how God wants me to do it? Because that ultimately will define how I'm going to pursue that thing, how I'm going to do that thing. So let's talk about that idea. Thank you, Lalika, for bringing that up because we're not just talking about only in you know, our worship in the morning. We're talking about <laughs> all of our decisions in life. So how does putting God first, how does that affect major life decisions we might have to make. And, you know, there's a reference in 2 Corinthians 6.14 about uh, choosing a life partner, but are there other life decisions that this process uh, could be impacted by? Lalika, I see you nodding your head. Yes, you have some thoughts here. Go ahead. Uh, when a teenager uh, growing up uh, in Guinea-Bissau, I had a privilege of having a, a pastor. Uh, now he's, um, he's a late pastor. His dad, his name is David Tavares from Brazil. And um, he mentored me. Um, he took me under his wings and he taught me uh, very uh, valuable things. And one of them was like Lilika, uh, choose three things in life. First of all, choose if you're going to choose God or not. Mm -hmm. Second, what profession you're going to choose. And then the third, uh, who's going to be your life partner? Because those things will define what's going to be of you for eternity. Mm. Mm. Travis, I see you uh, yeah. nodding your head there. Well, I'm thinking of some verses in the Bible, I think, that really relate to this, and I appreciate what she just said. Uh, but a Proverbs 14, 12, right, there is a way that seems right to the man, and that right. in, is indicating yeah. that there's direction, <laughs> right? Um, but the end thereof is death. And so as human beings, when we're choosing our way, it's always best to seek the counsel of God. And yes. then I think of, of Proverbs 16, 3, it says, commit your plans to the Lord mm -hmm. and he will establish your thoughts. Yes. Right. So 
Th that is such a beautiful promise that I've claimed all the time. And when you can commit your plans to the Lord and then have confidence that you're going in the right direction, whew, that just takes all the pressure off. Amen. Amen. John. You know, Jesus himself has given an example. He said, I always do my Father's will. Mm -hmm. yeah. So whether it be marriage or finances or health or, or school, we always need to do the will of the Father just like Jesus did. Mm. Jason, and then we've got to move on here. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we have our own quote-unquote plans, but God already said, I know the plans I have for you. So it only <laughs> makes right, sense yeah. to seek Him, the plan <laughs> master, to be able to walk in harmony with Him as the plans unfold. Mm. And those plans are maybe, as we said, not just for this world, but exactly. even for the world to come. Especially it, for the world to come. Especially for yes. the world to come, yes. He, he doesn't want anyone to mm -hmm. perish, but, but all to come to, to repentance, repentance and be saved. Right. That's right. So that our plans can continue, especially for the world to come. Exactly. Well, we've talked about different ways that we can plan. And one of those three items that Lalika referenced that the, the pastor guided her to uh, was choosing a life career. And so I want us to look at this idea of choosing a life career. And so I'd like us to go back to the beginning, and I'd like to ask Rodney if you could read for us back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, God gave our first parents a little bit of uh, guidance about, you know, how they should direct their life, how they should plan for success. So let's see what Genesis tells us here. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, Genesis 2 and verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. All right. The Garden to tend and keep it. So this is Adam, and then Eve as his helpmeet is going to help him in this process. What does this mean to, for Adam and Eve to tend and to keep it? Yes, Brittany. Well, they were to take care of it. Earlier in Genesis 1, God says, I've given you dominion over all the earth that I've created for you. But that's not a dominion to crush it and, and ruin it, but actually to care for it. Um, so just like we're stewards of our finances, we're stewards of anything that comes to us, whether it's our property or our time, um, any food that we have, all of those things um, God has given us to take care of and to use wisely. Mm -hmm. Stewardship of our resources, of the things God has given us. And yes, I see uh, Rodney here, you read, but you also have some thoughts about what this looks like, what God has given us to uh, take care of. Yes. I think it is interesting to note that the timing at which the scripture was just read, meaning the context at which God gave uh, Adam and Eve, the instructions to actually take care of the garden, as Brittany said, that was actually before the entrance of sin. Mm -hmm. So in other words, God saw it fit mm -hmm. that uh, work, the activity of work is, is a great thing. It's, it's, it's of great design for us and it's important for us to actually work. So this took place even before the entrance of sin. Mm -hmm. Derek. And, and, and as a novice gardener, uh, mm -hmm. I would say they had the joy of not having to pull all the weeds <laughs> and thistles, oh, yeah. but, but maybe uh, training the plants to right. grow in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the important point is God could have created robots to take care of the garden, but meaningful work is a part of success in life. Right. Yes. Exactly. Charity and to be custodians mm. and 
to be a custodian is also to show that there's an appreciation mm -hmm. for the gift that we're given and the opportunity to do this work to tend and keep. Mm -hmm. So when we return it in a way that shows appreciation to God, it lets him know that we love him and we value the gifts that he gives us stewardship over. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Now this is talking about uh, gardening and as <laughs> Derek said, he's a novice gardener, but maybe not everyone is a gardener. Is this verse saying that we all have to be gardeners? We all have to go out and have, John, you're shaking your head. You have some thoughts here? You know, we see that God is the one who placed Adam and Eve into the garden. So God is the one who gave that work to them. And he's the one who gives different jobs to each one of us according to our abilities. So maybe we don't all have to be doctors or teachers or even farmers or gardeners. Maybe some of our families are, but God may place us, God placed them in the garden, God may place us in the place where he wants us to have our career where we can plan for success through that experience. And there's another verse or a couple verses that build off this idea. And I'm going to ask Charity if you can actually take us there we're in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 and 9. And this commandment we often think about in talking about the Sabbath and resting, but the first part here gives us some other guidance. So if you could read that for us, please. Certainly, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 and 9 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. So what do we see there? What is, uh, what is God giving guidance for in relationship to our week? Travis. Well, uh, he's given us, as, as Rodney mentioned, that work is, is a blessing. Uh, and I just kind of want to refer to where we were last talking about. We are all gardeners because we're all part of the harvest work. Oh, planting yes. and watering. And, yeah. and I mean, really, we're all gardeners and yeah. God's given us work to do. And um, really, it's a joy to be a part of that work. Spiritual gardening, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. Nisha. I also like that before he gives us this instruction of six days will you labor, he says remember something first. Right. <laughs> remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And I'm going to give you work, but remember that day to keep it holy. That's mm. priority again, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. God first. God first. Even if it's just one of those seven days, that's the most important thing. You have that rest. We do not labor seven days. Rodney, you wanted to add here to this discussion about laboring six days, resting seven, but making sure to get our priorities uh, put in place, put straight for us. And I love the fact, Jason, that God led out in that example. Mm -hmm. He was the mm -hmm. one that worked day one, day two, all the way down to day, day six, and then he rested. Then he gave it to us to say, okay, now that I've given you a template, here it is for you to also enjoy. So the balance between working and resting, that is very important to lead a successful, productive life. Mm -hmm. So that means we have to work uh, six <laughs> days a week. I, I see some uh, hands from our remote participants. Marianella, uh, you want to wanna help us here with this discussion? Yes, I just wanted to share a personal testimony because I do real estate, the business of real estate in California. And I remember when I first started, people told me, well, you're in the wrong business because you're not doing open houses or working on the weekends on Saturdays yeah. and Sunday, you know. So I just want to um, tell you that it, it, it opened opportunities for me to share about why I didn't work on Sabbath. Because I kept the fourth commandment as is in the Bible oh, in Exodus. 
And some people were really amazed by that. And, and, and then I had others where other agents that would challenge me. Well, I'll see if you can sell this house, then I will believe in your God. I've been told that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so um, God came through and I was able to see that, wow, he, if you prioritize him, even if it's in your business, mm-hmm. even if everybody else is open on the day that God says, um, worship me on that day, he is faithful and true mm-hmm. and he it, he will take you and bless you. And Amen. I have personally um, been been blessed and witnessed that. Amen. 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 A testimony of using our careers for God's glory, planning not just for success in this world, but success in the world to come. All right. I see some others who had some thoughts about uh, this idea. Lalika, yes. Well, um, I like what uh, has been said. Here God is showing us through this verse to have a balance. Mm-hmm. Don't work yourself to death. Mm-hmm. And also don't stay without work. Uh, yes. From childhood, my mom used to say, empty mind is the devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. So to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, Derek. I have a practical um, testimony, Jason. Uh, when our second son uh, was thinking about a career, um, he actually went to a community college and it was in an English Comp 2 class, that's a writing class, that the teacher said, I want to give you all an assignment. Now, I don't know if that teacher was a Christian, but we're talking here about planning for success in our work. Yes. And, and we do spend most of our life doing our career work, right? That's yeah. six days of labor. This teacher said, I want you to take a personality test, mm-hmm. see what your personality is like, and then match that. There are research studies that are done with a, a good match for a certain career. Mm-hmm. And my son did that and put it all together and came to the conclusion that he wanted to be a nurse anesthetist. Mm. That's someone who helps put people to sleep when they're having surgical procedures. Yeah. And, and developed a plan, five-step plan that he followed for many years and is very happy in his profession. Wow. Now, I think uh, sometimes we go and we don't, we just kind of, where are you going? I don't know, but I hope I'll find the way. But I think one way to plan for success, and it relates, Travis, to what you said about surrounding yourself with godly mentors. Uh, This teacher, I'll be always grateful to her that she said, find something that matches your personality. And, um, and, and God, of course, led in the implementation of that. But maybe someone's watching and they'll say, well, that's practical. Right. That yeah. is very practical. John. You know, uh, just like Pastor Derek said, there may be a young person who's thinking, you know, I finished my high school. What am I going to do next? Mm. You know, uh, yeah. one pastor said there are three steps to know what is God's call in your life. One is ability. Second is affinity. Third is opportunity. Mm. Now, what abilities has God given you? What work do you desire, do you enjoy? And what opportunities do people give you and affirm you? Mm -hmm. Very practical guidance. Nisha, you have some thoughts here. Yeah, and I completely agree with Derek and John. I also know that when when God calls us to certain things, I will tell you in in the line of profession I'm in right now, um, I have to be very comfortable around people and in front of people. And I was extremely shy. Um, when I was younger. Um, I could not raise my hand to save my life uh, in the classroom. 
Um, but I think God knew that. And there were certain things he needed to do in my life, certain things that he brought me into. He slowly started changing my comfortableness around people. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but I never knew what the career was that he was going to call me into. And then when I finally came into that, I saw over time what yes. he was doing with me mm -hmm. and how now if you put me in a crowd of thousands, I have no problem with it. Mm -hmm. wow. um, but that was something that he had to develop in me. You know, that reaffirms what Travis said, doesn't it, Jason? Commit your ways to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm and your thoughts will be established, Proverbs 16, 3. Yeah. That's a beautiful testimony. Amen. Sabina, you want to add to the discussion? We're talking about career here and putting God before us. Yes. Yeah, so adding to the list that John presented, ability, affinity, opportunity, I also think it's important that we consider our usefulness. Uh, when we see here, even this text we read in Exodus 20, and if you further read the text, you're going to see that when it talks about work, it compares us with the work, the work that God was done also in six days, which is a, a work that had purpose, a creative work that was supposed to be even at our uh, service in fulfilling our needs and creating an enjoyable environment to us. And I understand that God also wants us to work for the service of other people, to be useful and find a sense of pur purpose and meaning in that. Mm. So not only we should be considering the things we do well, the things we like doing and the opportunities we have, but we also should be thinking of how is this enriching the world and the people around us, because mm. this is going to bring us fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Amen, that's very good practical and personal guidance. Travis. My comment was basically the same as Sabina's. Often when we're looking into careers, we're thinking on the terms of monetary, right. you know, money, right. but we should yeah. be thinking on the terms of ministry. Amen. How can I best, you know, the right M, <laughs> not monetary, but ministry. Amen. Because in the end, success will be determined by the amount of people we've led to Jesus, not mm. by the amount of cash that's in our bank. Amen. Right. Amen. And I want to challenge you because many times even people in the church can get led astray by going for the monetary instead of looking at what God is calling them to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, or if someone comes to you, say, go to Jesus, follow the path that the Holy Spirit is leading you on, not just your finances, not just your own desires. Mm -hmm. Well, we need to continue on here, and I would like to ask Brittany if you could read for us some practical guidance from the Apostle Paul found in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, we have some counsel that may give us some additional practical guidance about how to relate to our work, how to plan for success. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Amen. All right. Amen. So what is Paul saying here, Travis? How does this build off our discussion? Well, the reward that, that we'll receive, again, I think is basically based on the last comment, is not all the monetary, all the things that we've piled up, but, but what have we done to further the kingdom of God? I mean, really, that's the question. What have we done? And uh, 
how rewarding will it be to see souls that you've witnessed to in heaven? I mean, the reward is Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. But to see other people that we've witnessed to through our work and the things we've done, what a blessing that's going to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Harold. Yeah, and actually what came to my mind was, let's say if you're in a job and your boss asks you to do something that you don't like doing, but yet you do it, because you're not doing it for, that, for the boss, but you're doing it for the Lord, because eventually what can happen is the boss will eventually build trust with you. That that's has, has happened to me, mm. where I've been assigned so many things I did not want to do, <laughs> and like, you know what, I'll do it, and I put all my heart to it, because at the end of the day, it built a relationship that allowed me to have spiritual conversations. Mm. They see the people like, yeah, you, you seem to get along with everybody. <laughs> Even mm. the people who are grumpy, they say, oh, that's <laughs> a bad person, like, but you, <laughs> you, you, you seem to like, work with anybody. Mm. Like, hey, you know, I mean, I care for people, mm. and I do want to have a relationship and eventually introduce in Christ, because it is Amen. Christ that helps me do this kind of work and mm. deal with all people. Mm -hmm. And we know that's not Harold the one doing that. We know who's working through you, right? Yeah. Yes, that's Jesus himself. Yes, Nisha. Um, and uh, exactly what Harold was saying was that there's no job when God calls you into something that's beneath you. And that was mm. something that Christ always showed mm. in his um, ministry with God. Yes. Whatever God was going to call Christ to, whether that was going to the lepers or going to people that were the least of those in society, God was willing to, uh, Christ was willing to do it because that's what God had called him to. So there was nothing. He was a servant leader, and that's what we we're called mm. to be. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, we need Amen. to continue on because there are other tasks that God has called us to, and one is uh, caring for our family. And I'm going to ask Marianella if you could read for us some guidance the Apostle Paul gives in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, because we're now going to talk about caring for our family, providing for our family. We've talked about putting God first. We've talked about career. And now let's talk about how this relates to taking care of family. Yes, I'm reading from the New King James Version. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 reads, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Mm. Ooh, that's some tough language there, Travis. It, but it Yes, and Marinelle, yes, but what's going on there? Why that wording? What, what is the Apostle Paul saying here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Well, Jason, I wish that I didn't know this verse as well as I do. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is early in my Christian experience, I was so focused outside of the home that I, ne I neglected my family. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit, you know, through God's guidance and uh, through some trials, he brought me around to, to let me realize that my first mission field was home. And by the grace of God, that's all changed. Now my first mission field is my home. Amen. And it's been a blessing not only to my family, but to me. And the, the reflection, when people come and they see now the relationship with my wife and my kids, they want to know why that is. And I'm like, Lord, I was getting it wrong the whole time. <laughs> let the, between your wife and your children, let that be the first mission field. Care for them, both monetarily, you know, for their needs, but especially spiritually. I wanted to ask you a follow-up on that, Travis, because some people say, yeah, I'm taking care of my family. I'm out there working, and you were out there, you were working, you were, you were making money, but why is that not enough, Travis? Well, you should be, you should be asking my wife that question. <laughs> she, I, I remember many times she's told me, you know, it's one thing to work and provide, but I actually want your time. Mm 
And so spending time with family is equally important. I think Lalika or someone mentioned earlier about the being living a balanced life. And so there's a really a balance between spiritual, you know, all of these things. It's really a balance. Mm -hmm. Brittany. I think God made us in his image, right? Male and female in the image of God. And then he said, go and multiply and have families. And yes. the whole purpose of the family is to reflect God's character mm. to the world. So if we're not taking care of our own family and, and we've just let it become shambles, how are we to give a clear picture of God and his love to the world? Mm. So I think that's what he's, Paul is telling Timothy, hey, you know, remind the people that you need to take care of your own because you're showing them what true love is. This mm. is what the character of God is. Charity. We're, we're told in scripture that only what is done for Christ will last. Mm -hmm. And he wants to save everyone. And that begins with the family. He wants not just those we're harvesting outside to be saved, but those who are in the house who to know who God is and to have a relationship with him so that they could have the eternal life with him. Amen. Rodney, you have some uh, thoughts here about family, and I believe I know you have your own family as well here. You know, all of what we're talking about here, we truly need uh, the guidance of God for us to accomplish a successful life. Amen. Amen. Um, a personal testimony, I was, I was brought up in a, in a Christian home, and I, I was the, the, the fourth of four boys, four yeah. brothers. I was the last of the four, and I really had the opportunity to, to watch how my parents um, really helped to, to balance the entire family, meaning between themselves, my mother, um, she's a retired um, teacher and guidance counselor, and my father was a, a businessman, and he's also retired. And I saw how they were able to navigate their careers and also um, train us all four boys. Can you imagine all four boys in the same home? Um, train us in the way of the Lord. And it is just amazing to see how they were able to do that. Um, and again, they're affectionately known as Miss Dell and, and Mr. Oswald. That's my mother and father. And they did an amazing job in helping us to understand the, 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 the ways of the Lord for helping us to understand that we should work as hard as we possibly can to help us understand that we should be helping others along the way. We tr they couldn't accomplish that at all without the power and guidance of the Holy mm. Spirit. So here it is, we, I am today, Jason, I have my mm. own family. Yes. I have the same, um, uh, you know, I have the same uh, work to do essentially, and I cannot accomplish that without the guidance of God. Amen. Amen. Well, Travis, I want you to take us to something that Moses wrote about this idea of taking care of our families and getting our priorities in place. And so I'd like if you could read in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, because there's some counsel that Moses gives about taking care of our families. And we've talked about priorities, and particularly when it comes to our families, what the priorities should be. What should we focus on when we're relating to our families? What are the biggest needs that our families might have? And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I commanded you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, 
when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Amen. Amen. And the Jewish people today even, they repeat this called the Shema. Mm -hmm. This is a very important part of their worship. So what does this tell us, Harold, about how we should relate to our own families? Well, again, going back to priority, our first priority is connecting our family members, including you know, the leaders, to God, because He's the ultimate provider, He's the ultimate caretaker, and He should be the ultimate person we need to trust. Because once, and it goes back to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Brittany, Jason, and then I have a question to ask. I was just, I love how this verse is talking about basically wherever you are, you should be teaching your children about God. Um, and so it's not just, oh, I take them to church once a week, right. or I send them to a Christian school, <laughs> but... When I, wherever we are, we're at home, we're playing outside, we're going to the grocery store, wherever we are, we can be talking to our families about God and, and that can be even a witness to those around. I hear testimonies of um, friends of mine who take their children different places, maybe a doctor's appointment or different places, and their kids end up witnessing to someone in the waiting room because of what they've been taught and they say it to the person next to them and they're not afraid. And then the person's like, wow, your, your children, how do they know about God? And, and it starts a conversation. So um, wherever we are, we're to be teaching our our families about God, and then that's a witness. Amen. Amen. Jason. Yeah, like what Brittany said, you know, basically is being intentional, you know, for you to continually to be able to, uh, in a loving manner, teach, you know, from a parent's perspective, as the scriptures pointing out, for the parents to teach their children about God, you know, and not just letting it just happen, you know, so to speak, mm -hmm. but being intentional in all aspects of the child's life, you know, managing for the master. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked a lot about great families here, but what happens, you know, Derek, Jason, if maybe someone didn't come from such a great family or they didn't get the best examples, we, we got to hear some good examples from uh, Rodney's testimony, but what do you do if you haven't come from a family that had such great examples? Uh, John, you, uh, wanted, you had a thought here? Mm -hmm. No, all family relationships are an expression of God's love. And sometimes when that is missing, God will bypass through and He will fulfill the need that a person had missed. So in that way, God will fulfill what a person has missed and restore that. Mm -hmm. Derek. Yeah, I want to come back to what Travis said about surrounding yourself with good people mm -hmm. because some of us maybe didn't grow up with, with those uh, loving mentors. I was just so moved by Rodney's testimony mm -hmm. of his parents and how he wants to be, mm -hmm. follow that example. Yes. But, but we can prayerfully, by the Holy Spirit, as he said, look for a mentor yeah. that we see is... Yes. providing for their family, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, socially. And, and by the grace of God, that, that man, that woman of God can, can be a mentor right. to us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Travis. I, I just feel, I felt like I had to say this because I, I come from a home that was not structured well. But if I could give any advice, it'd be forgive your parents. Mm -hmm. You just don't know what they've gone through. And, and that's been the biggest thing for me. To restart and change is just forgive them because we don't know what they've been through exactly. in their life. 
And that's been the, the best way that I could run to Jesus, forgive your parents, and move on and make a change. Amen. Amen. Can you say you wanted to add to that? Yeah, and, and in addition to doing that, I think it's also just going to God and asking for help, because that's the, that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, is to when in the areas in which we are broken, um, it's to heal us, and it's to change our patterns and thoughts into something that is new. Um, and the Holy Spirit can do that for us. Amen. Amen. Her Harold, and then we got to move yeah. on. The other thing is like, if you are in a good family and you already know your priorities, but you see somebody else that has a poor family, you have to help too. Mm -hmm. It's not just, because many people may not have God in their midst. Mm -hmm. so you have to provide that. And God, if God needs you, you have to go. Yeah. So it's not just take care of your own little corner. We have responsibilities yeah. as stewards to help others. As Sabina had referenced earlier, our neighbors, our communities, not just our one little family, but everyone around us, our brother and sister. Mm -hmm. All right, well, we need to continue on because we've talked about families, but also there are finances, there are resources that we need to take care of that, uh, when we think of this idea of having a successful plan. And so I'm going to ask, Nisha, if you could read from the wisest man who ever lived, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23 and 24, because there are practical steps we can take when managing our resources, when planning for success. And let's see, what is the wisest man who ever lived? What counsel did he give when it comes to planning for success? And I'm reading from the New King James Version, Proverbs 27, 23 and 24. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, mm. nor does a crown endure to all generations. <laughs> all right, Travis, as a businessman, I'm going to ask you, what does this mean? What is the wisest man who ever lives saying here? Well, to know our assets, you, you know what I mean? To know what we have, um, I think is, is really the, the um, pinnacle. I mean, you can just acquire things, but what are their purposes and what are they for? And not only that, what are you going to use them for? So, I mean, do you have more than you need? If you don't know how much you have, you don't, aren't going to know how to use it or to spend it. Or you know, Does that make sense? Yeah, pay attention, be organized, mm -hmm. know what you have. Don't just accumulate stuff. Yes, and I know you've shared before and, and other points about some of your own experiences along this way. Well, we've got some other practical guidance. Uh, we know, of course, we don't want to store up too much treasure, but also there's a lesson we can learn from an insect. And I'm going to ask Lalika if you can read for us about this lesson in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. What is this lesson we can learn from uh, this, uh, this insect, this bug, if you will? I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Proverbs 6, 6 to 8. Go to the end. You slogger, consider her ways and be wise, which have no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. All right, so what is the practical guidance that we see here, Brittany? Prepare for the future, mm -hmm. um, that God may bless you with um, several, you know, resources. Yes, you, you need to be aware of those in need around you, uh, but don't just go and spend it all at once um, or waste it. You should store it uh, for when you need it. Um, and that's something that God instructs us to do, not storing up a ton of treasures, but enough yeah. to provide for the future when you're not able to work. Practically, yes, Jason. Yeah, don't be lazy, you know, if I get from being a slugger. And also when it says no captain, it's like, you know, be self-motivated. Sometimes people have a hard time because they need someone to motivate them, which is good though, but it has to be an eternal thing for you to seek those goals and complete them. That's right. 
And uh, we're also told to be careful about avoiding debt in Proverbs. But there's something even more important than just the practical financial advice. This is the last area I want to look at. And I'm going to ask Rodney if you could read for us, also still here in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, because there's something even more important than just wealth, than just planning with all these resources. There's something that I'd say is higher value. And let's see what the wisest man who ever lived said that was. I'm reading from the New King James Version, Proverbs 22 and verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. All right. What does this mean? Travis, I, I see you have a smile there. What does it mean having a good name? What does that look like? Well, I think for a person who is really wealthy, the... Um, you can attract people who want to get close to you because of your wealth. But, but when you have a good name and a good reputation, you have the opportunity to become a counselor, a good godly counselor to someone who, who is actually seeking to be your friend or to um, acquire your company for a good purpose. Mm -hmm. All right, Nisha. Um, and I, I also think uh, by good name is also referring to your character. Um, mm -hmm. When people look at you, um, what do they know you for? Are right. you honest? Are you respectful? Do you treat people all equally? Um, uh, do they feel like what you, they tell you, you will keep to them and you're not mm. uh, a gossip? I think there are a lot of mm. things and, and that person will also shine. In, ad in, in addition to being able to do the work, um, are you a respectful person? Are you a respectable person? Derek? I just wanted to comment, it doesn't say a famous name. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hebrew parallelism, good name, loving favor. Right. Good name, back to something was said earlier, are you a person that reveals the love of God? Right. Are you a person who is generous mm -hmm. with the resources God has given to you? Um, again, how do we measure success? If, if like Brittany said, Measuring success is reflecting the character of our awesome God, <laughs> who's loving Amen. and gracious and kind. Uh, that's a good name. Amen. Amen. Well, one last verse very quickly. I'm going to ask John if you could take us there to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. We're talking about a good name. We're talking about living with character, good character, and even integrity. So let's see, what's this last little insight that the Apostle Paul gives us about how to live with integrity no matter what we're in? First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 from the New American Standard Bible. It reads, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Amen. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now very quickly, before we wrap up, I'm just wondering, is there any name or any person that comes to mind to you as someone who has integrity, whatever they do, they do to the glory of God? Is there anyone who comes to your mind, Charity? I see you uh, nodding your head. Who comes to mind when you think of someone that lives with integrity? Well, I've lived with this person for at least 10 years, and it really is my husband, my husband oh. Ken. You know, we know our spouses, we know our family, we know our friends, and if it weren't true, you wouldn't offer to say it. Mm. And this is someone who sets God before him every morning, Amen. every day, in his decisions for our family, for others. He's generous and kind. Mm. He has a good reputation. Mm. So when I'm thinking of someone with integrity, I'm reminded of him. 
Uh, wow. By the way, Kenneth is also part of our Hope Sabbath School team. <laughs> so many of our Hope Sabbath School members may know him, but what a beautiful tribute uh, from a loving companion. That's yeah. true. That's something everyone would love to be able to say. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't all say it. John, very quickly, who's someone that comes to mind for you? For me, it's my father. Not a day begins without me seeing him pray, and then he begins to stay. Wow, what an example. And Jesus, too. Yes, and Jesus, too. Yes, our so ultimate example. That's who we stay focused on. Our yeah. ultimate example, yes. And I want to challenge you. Maybe you haven't always planned so perfectly for success. The good news is have your priorities straight. Put yourself into the hands of God. Remember your Creator. Let Him guide you, and then all these things will be added to you. Amen. Amen. What a great study. Thank you so much, Jason. And thank you for joining us for Hope Sabbath School today. You say, whew, that was practical. But more than anything, it points us to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who loves you with an immeasurable and unfailing love and wants to bless you, not only for success in this life, but success for eternity. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this practical study and thank you for reminding us to put you first. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your immeasurable and unfailing love. If we've made mistakes in the past, that you will forgive us when we confess our sins and set us on the right path. You have a future and a hope for each one of us. We bless you and may the blessing of God also flow through us to bless those around us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. Don't forget that great resource on our website, Push the Free Gift tab, because we can continue to learn how to plan for success, not just to make a name for ourselves or to have lots of things, but to be all that God wants us to be. And then, rejoicing in the Lord, go out and be a blessing to those around you.